Welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. We're here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm Zach Shahan, CEO of Clean Technica. And joining me today are Marcus Fleckenstein from PTC Arena, Tim Klenner from ProGlove and Workaround, and Verena Young, CEO and founder of Yook. So just to get rolling, especially since we have a, a full house today, I'd love to get a little bit more background from each of you on how you got into this field of uh, product lifecycle management, product carbon footprint, what we're going to be talking a lot about today, and and also how you got into your current roles and, and uh, companies. So to start with, Marcus, how'd you end up here? I see you have a bike behind you in the in the Zoom background here. So I'm sure you've you've probably always been quite environmentally passionate. Yeah, at, at least trying to be an environmental passionate. I'm mean, living on the countryside, trying to be self-sufficient with kind of all my style of, of living. Uh, but specifically when it comes to the to the PLM part, I mean, I'm working in that space specifically at PTC now for, for 13 years. And so kind of all that topic around environmental, I think is very key because it's basically defined when you develop your product, right? So that means already defined from the start what impact your product might have. And this is kind of where it was always interesting for me to, to look into that. And that's why I'm kind of curious uh, about this collaboration here, what we want to talk about, because it's like always working together with different elements to really get the best product and the best kind of maybe impact uh, to the environment out of the product and so this is what what brought me here into that kind of triangle with with you and Proglove uh, excited um, to to talk about what what we have done so far and and how we came to that uh, situation where we are now excellent and shift over to Verena yeah sure so I'm uh, the environmental scientist at the table uh, so the topic got me started 15, 20 years ago, actually, when um, I was a teenager and I studied the topic, but super quickly realized, I don't think we need more people studying the problem. I rather want to work on solutions. And then the question that guided me throughout my 15 year professional career in helping companies tackle climate change is how can we make it actually as easy as possible so everyone can chip in? So it is not this kind of like lighthouse project that's happening somewhere, but it's really something that's an integral part of company operations. And four years ago, I heavily um, discussed internally with my head this question again, and that was the starting point of founding Yuke. Excellent. Yeah, my my bachelor's thesis uh, 20 years ago was about the, the disconnect between people's concern for climate and environmental problems and their action. And over uh-huh. the past 20 years of working to, and similarly trying to find solutions and help solve the problem is just more and more, I you know, it, it does seem to come down to how do you make it really easy for people? <laughs> because there's just a huge disconnect between 
our concern and our action often. And it gets tied up in all of the complexities of daily life and adulting, as they say nowadays and all that. But yeah, very interesting. And we'll shift over to Tim. Tim, what's your background? How did you get into this? So as I'm only 24 years young uh, and therefore part of Gen Z, I think it's a pretty unavoidable topic for me. I think my whole generation really needs to, uh, to care about this. And already during university, uh, when I studied industrial engineering, I was very interested in different topics around sustainability and environmental aspects. Yeah. And then after I finished my bachelor's degree, I skipped my master and uh, started as a supply chain manager at Proglove. Um, focus is usually on uh, supplier quality topics and change topics, but also as a personal interest of mine, I yeah am involved in a lot of topics about sustainability. Excellent. Yeah. So to yeah to kick into the to the real discussion here, the the heavy part. You know, we're talking. We're going to focus a lot here on product lifecycle management and product carbon footprint. Can and and your partnerships together, Arena Proglove and yuk so could you just give a little bit of a just a kind of elevator overview of what this what these topics are and how you're collaborating on them and then we'll get into more details i'm happy happy to get started here and so please marina tim please chime in whenever uh, i'm going to the wrong direction um so the the core the core idea when we started uh this whole discussion was that because let's say uh, sustainability is a topic at at PTC in general, yeah, for sure, kind of at the company level, but also kind of on the how we can help our customers or uh, to be more to build more sustainable products, right? And this is kind of where this started, uh, where we were discussing with with Yuk initially about can, is there a potential collaboration there? When then uh, we we came, uh, we found out uh, that. We already have a joint kind of customer that we are working on, which was Proglove. And though we kind of put our heads together and trying to find out how we can kind of make the best out of this this collaboration to uh, to to get some meaningful results out of that. And this is where kind of all of that started: how to automate uh, automate product carbon footprint analysis and what PLM could be an interesting role in that whole situation. But maybe Varina, you you want to add add some flavor to that? Yeah, maybe just for those listening in who are not familiar with the abbreviations that we are throwing around here. So PLM, Product Lifecycle Management, is a software solution by PTC Arena, and it helps product teams and, and engineers to have a single source of truth for all product-related data. So obviously, they are already in touch with all the product design and engineering teams. And we as Uke, we are in the field of PCF. So that's product carbon footprinting. So we use product information as an input, but we enrich it with so-called emission factors. So with carbon environmental insights to understand the environmental burden of a product throughout its life cycle and provide this data to, to customers. And... Together, so obviously they are. Uh, we quickly found out that they are linked, and that there is a benefit in providing this automated. Because one of those like worst things that can happen is that you ask product teams to co- manually collect data. And we'll dive into this later. But by Arena being an automated 
software solution and you being an automated software solution, though that needs structured product information, this really links nicely together. And ProGov was a very exciting case for us to get started on because as we will learn later, they were a very interdisciplinary team um, that is looking at this challenge from different perspectives. And they're just, yeah, super motivated on that topic as well, which is great to leverage such a collaboration on. Excellent. And I've got a couple of sort of general, less general, but general questions to get us in, in, in deeper now, next step deeper. So yeah, yeah, I think we'll use PLM a lot now, probably. So just keep in mind that's product lifecycle management and P- PCF is product carbon footprint. So so just first of all, why does why does a PLM vendor like PTC Arena like come up with need to include a scenario about PCF? Like there's sort of different, I mean, you kind of have different measurements. You know, you, know, you have carbon, everyone's familiar with carbon footprint calculators and all that. And then people are, I think, maybe less so, but still familiar with product lifecycle management concerns and issues for a business. But then how does that, how is that the sec the, the PCF a component of PLM and how do you why is that a concern for Arena? I'm not sure. We'll go to Marcus. Yeah. yeah, sure. Let, let me let me go let go ahead with that. It's a very good question. And so the, the main I mean there are, there are two levels from a kind of a PTC and PTC arena perspective. One is as as mentioned, like it's like every organization we're taking care of our own carbon footprint as a whole company with, with seven thousand employees at the moment, the global global company. So we are looking clearly how we can make and make an impact there, but also how we can help our customers to, to make an impact and how to improve their, their carbon footprint. And with software solutions that help customers to build innovative products, this is a definitely a very good starting point early on to define the product in a way that it then will hopefully have a very uh, small uh, environmental footprint in the end. And that's kind of where it, it starts as early as possible. And specifically, like, like at Arena, uh, where we have a very broad set of customers, and a lot of them are in, in the green tech space already, like with, with e-mobility, EV charging, and so on. So that means they are already building products that help us uh, reduce our carbon footprint and have make, make a big impact in general with their product, but now also helping them to, to develop their own product in a way that they are so more sustainable. I think this is kind of where PLM came into play, where we think this is where, where all the product data lives. This is where all the engineers are working early on on that data, which then defines how this product will perform in the field. And this is where we thought this is a very good starting point uh, to feed other systems that then can help us to optimize the the outcome the and and uh, environmental impact there yeah and i mean when when i think about i mean when i think about product carbon footprint i mean many many of us kind of more lay people we can say who who have learned about it talked about it written about it for years we do so on a, i guess a more simplistic basis Hello, cleantech enthusiasts. If you enjoy cleantech talk and cleantechnica, please consider pitching in a few dollars a month at cleantechnica.com slash support. That's cleantechnica.com slash support, where you can sign up in seconds with a credit card, pitch in a few dollars a month or whatever you like. Some people actually contribute $100 a month to help us cover climate change and clean tech and try to help the world 
one word at a time. Thank you. So why has product carbon footprint analysis become an important topic across many industries? Uh, and we'll direct this one over at Verena. Yeah, sure. Well, obviously, there is a lot of regulatory requirements that are coming into place, um, and they've been ramping up through the last throughout the last two to three years. Um, in the US, we have uh, California, the climate disclosure law, and we have the um, SEC. Uh, especially in Europe, we have very specific upcoming regulatory tools or uh, laws that are targeting products, actually. So there is one that is called the Green Claims Directive, which is saying you cannot make any sustainability claims if you don't have the data to back them up. And there is a Sustainable Products Directive, which is will enforce sustainability, circularity, aspects of products. So that is one driver. But I think what we experience in reality is that there is a second driver, and that is growing pressure from often strategic clients, or at least like global players who are setting new standards. And by doing that, so by setting ambitious decarbonization goals, they have to enforce them throughout the supply chain. So that has a rippling effect throughout industries. And they also set expectations from end consumers, which are then transferred to all their competitors and also to other industries. To, and these expectations are, are towards decarbonization goals, but also just basically to providing some initial transparency about what is actually the product carbon footprint of your products. Do you know it? Because customers know that if a company doesn't know it, chances are quite <laughs> slim that they will be able to act on it. Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking. Because there are these leading corporations, some some leading big corporations, which we've covered over the years, who are more and more, I mean, they started off, we'll, we'll, we'll buy renewable energy, we'll electrify things, we'll make, become more efficient. But in recent years, it's heavily, we're going to make sure our supply chain is, is doing the same. And uh, so there's a big complicated uh, i imagine it must be extremely complicated trying to to work in all of the suppliers especially for these large corporations and, and make sure they're tracking first of all and then demanding what they want well yeah so how can organizations measure their product carbon footprint i mean that's sort of the that's the overarching you know challenge i'm, I'm bringing up but can you explain it in a way you know because as i start talking about it i'm like i don't even know what to, how to explain how to talk about this like how how can they how can i do that yeah so it's different from corporate carbon footprinting so i think i think that's a relevant part to understand so corporate carbon footprinting i look at employees travel i look at business processes um i um, look at heating of my buildings um so it's very diverse and i need methods that are not that granular but give me a good overall picture and it's different when it comes to products. So there I want a very granular picture across the supply chain because only then I can change aspects of it. And the method behind it has been around for, I think, over 20 years. It's called life cycle assessment. That's like the scientific um, method, LCA. And it's basically a methodology where you look at each product life cycle stage. So from really the raw material extraction over the different processing steps, manufacturing steps, then all the in-between transport steps, packaging steps, and then sometimes even further towards the use and end-of-life phase of a product. And each of these activities is mapped, or activities, processes, and materials 
is mapped against so-called emission factors. And this emission factors, for example, these come from scientific data banks and they tell you uh, raw material extraction for um, a metal, for, for a specific metal equals this amount of carbon. And same for processes, they can build it based on the kilowatt hours. As you can imagine, one of the major challenges is that no company in the world has 100% transparency across their supplier network. It's impossible um, due to globalization and complex supply chains. So the way this method works is that it fills data points that are missing with proxies based on industry averages. Um, and one of the core things is there obviously to keep a good balance between how many proxies do I use and uh, uh, how robust is my result still. Mm. Yeah, and if, if you ask me how, if you might ask, how is this done? Um, actually, back in the days, it uh, was only done by consultants or um, scientific consultants. I was one of them. Um, that's how I got started on the topic as well. And it took like half a year to do it for one product. Obviously, that's not matching the reality of companies who sometimes, <laughs> I mean, the product can be out of business by then, right? Yeah. Once you have the report about <laughs> the carbon footprint. So and that's one of that's exactly the starting point for me to found you as well to say like we have to change this the data has to be more transparent it has to be tangible it has to be real time so i think that's really the relevancy because it's super interesting data once you have it but the process of how we obtained the data throughout the last years that is outdated yeah i was like immediately i was like well how quick how much data can you get real time like that, that was like you need to get data real time how can you do that with as much as possible, get that into a platform so that people can look at it, you know, and, and combine it with others. Yeah, it's definitely, a, I mean, it's a massive challenge. So and, moving and to- this is, sorry to, just to, to add that, I think this is exactly where this aspect that Arena already stores for customers, that's product lifecycle data. And therefore you have an access to structured data and that's a huge leverage for us. So we don't start at zero with our customers um, and we can integrate smoothly and use existing data. Right, right. Uh, so pulling Tim in and and ProGlove, Tim, can you explain you know what interest had sparked and are now driving this topic at ProGlove? So uh, originally sparked, it was mostly due to uh, a professional background, I want to say, and now it's being driven by uh, mostly personal interests within the company. So yeah, originally I think the whole industry is is changing. I think there's a clear trend. Uh, more and more companies are starting to look into um, into the topics of sustainability. And simply, we decided that we wanted to be a leader by collecting this information very early um, and starting to implement it, use it in our daily business. And then it's not just us, uh, not just we are looking into the topic. So we offer a, a, an easily scalable solution, um, which helps our customers improve cycle times in production, logistics, and retail mostly, which means we have uh, pretty big customers. And since the European Supply Chain Act uh, usually or comes in first for uh, major corporations, for the bigger companies, this is something that was requested uh, from several of our customers uh, to us as yeah, the transparency of your supply chain really stops becoming a luxury good, uh, a nice to have and starts becoming a necessity. You must mm -hmm. know where your products come from uh, and how they are being produced. 
and then uh, we are being driven by mostly personal interests, as said. So the biggest uh, driver probably is curiosity. As a young company, uh, a lot of young employees and a lot of people left over from our startup phase um, only a couple years back. I think we have a very high employee motivation to work on these topics, not just me, but throughout the whole company. Um, and that, yeah, made us decide to start an ESG task force. So ESG, environmental, social, and governance okay. task force. So, um, yeah, we found people from different departments and with different views, but a common mission of improving ESG. That was to find and reduce the product carbon footprint. It's funny. Some some people have been trying to give ESG a bad name lately, and it's a, a side topic we will not rant about. But I think it <laughs> should be noted that this is critical. I mean, I think for for any responsible company to have good ESG policies. Yeah, and so let's get into how did the process look for for Proglov. So the quick answer is put in a lot of work. So I think we made a good decision to start with one product first, and then use the learnings that we got from the product take the quick win and uh, yeah put the learnings onto uh, the new products so the first product we looked at uh, which is our index trigger took us some back and forth uh, between you and, and us we would provide info um, you could request more information we would provide that and so on within a couple of iterations we had uh, been at a status that we were yeah comfortable with and then we moved on to the next product. We learned from our mistakes and therefore we were able to speed up the process by quite a lot. And at the final products, it was pretty easy to just gather the data. We knew what we did and then let Hugh do uh, yeah, the work behind it. So we had to research uh, quite a lot because sometimes the data is just not available. For example, we had uh, values for the weights of our parts, but we had these values figured out for customs purposes. So these were packaged weights instead of the actual part weights. So everything that we had collected previously would be needed to yeah would needed to be co collected once again and challenged um, because yeah it was measured for a different purpose. Stuff like the energy mix uh, is incredibly hard together because it's not just the energy you're using to produce a product you have to go deeper so you're looking at for example on our wearables you're not just looking at the assembly of the wearable you're looking at how to cut the textile um, the energy that pours into this how to create the textile in the first place the raw material sheet roll and then even a step further how to create the fiber or the chemical out of which the raw material is being produced and then you can go on and on and on. Yeah. Yeah. When, becomes... <laughs> when Farina mentioned earlier how it's basically impossible to fully try, it's immediately where it came to mind. I was like, well, well, even for like a, a simple company, like, you know, a media company like ours, you have to get into the electricity supply chain or the electricity sources for, for here. Theoretically, you would even get into electricity sources for our end users <laughs> who are reading, you know, the millions of people who read our, our website. It's like, well, how would you ever do that? But then suppliers for anything that's used, any products we're, 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 we're um, reviewing uh, or something. And it just becomes, just looking at electricity or, or energy, you immediately realize, well, this is an impossible task, but how can, how can we do the best job possible, right? That's the, 
that's the point, yeah. right? It, it becomes a, a very deep rabbit hole that you need to go down to figure out the exact values. You're going to add something. And if I now? may add, it, it really depends on the ambition of the customer as well. So ProGraph was super ambitious about achieving a high accuracy score because they want to use the data in really understanding how to improve the products down the road. But if you want to use it for reporting, you, for example, don't need that nitty-gritty details yet so it really depends and one of the aspects there is that obviously we could start on the export from arena and the data that was in there but most of the companies store some additional data and still some excel files somewhere you know so this learning about like what kind of data can we move to the plm down the road i think that was helpful and maybe tim you want to to mention a word about as well how you how long did it took you to improve the accuracy after you had the first results? Because I think obviously you were fast and very ambitious, but it's also once you understand where are your hotspots, what data is missing, you can really focus on like the relevant parts and don't go down the rabbit holes too much. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a very iterative process. Uh, we started with the, yeah, a good estimation, uh, a great yeah, value to start with and for some companies probably already all they need. And then from there on, it really didn't take a lot of effort to improve yeah, the accuracy of, uh, of our product carbon footprint. So really with very low maximum medium effort, uh, we were able to uh, achieve an improvement of uh, already 11% on the accuracy score, accuracy score of the carbon footprint. And were there any big or notable surprises from from doing this? Yeah, there were some. For example, uh, I was not uh, aware how detailed the information is that you can publicly find on transportation. So product carbon footprint of different transportation routes of planes, ships, trucks, and trains are all publicly available to a very detailed uh, degree, for example. Uh, we were also very surprised how little electronics and our electronic assemblies were contributing to the overall product carbon footprint if you count together all of our products. And I think uh, it's mostly due to our products being very low weight uh, and being very small. So even if there's a lot of electronic components inside, they don't weigh up to uh, yeah, a big total weight. This for example, yeah, changed our direction in a product where on our wearable, we wanted to find an alternative for our uh, flexible printed circuit board. And we thought the printed circuit board was going to be the most, yeah, the, the part that would contribute the most to our carbon footprint. But after we got our numbers back from Uke, it turned out that it was pretty insignificant. It wasn't nothing. But uh, compared to some other textiles, some other materials, it really wasn't worth the effort to put in a project and find a different solution. And so here, this, yeah, the, carbon, uh, the, the analysis really helped us. And then something else that we didn't expect is that the battery didn't, like it's not an environmentally friendly part within our products, as you would expect, but it's a lot better than we expected. So uh, we have a, a pretty small battery, but the value was... Yeah, maybe a fifth of what we originally expected. And we were so surprised, we didn't really believe it at first. 
And since, yeah, we really want to avoid greenwashing, we don't want to just publish the first number that we get. We got back to the supplier and got back to you and challenged this uh, against other data that was available to us. And yeah, we got the confirmation on it. So that's, that's fascinating. And, and I mean, I, I mean, I would also have similar, I think, initial reactions, as you mentioned, with both of those things. Uh, but with batteries, it's funny, too, because there's so much there's so much hype against batteries in the in the media. And I think a lot of it. Well, I think a lot of it comes naturally from good good intentioned people who are just like oh but what about those batteries and everybody knows oh you have to recycle them they're you know you can't just throw them in the trash and you can't just recycle them with the plastic and the cardboard but also i think there's a lot of manufactured anti-battery hype because batteries are the core of electrifying transport and also a core component of changing to renewables in the grid so i think there are there are there are you know there are some bad intentioned sources of, of a lot of a lot of this as well, but it just goes to show how much, I mean, even uh, even we would be um, thinking, well, that can't be. We don't want to greenwash this. That can't be right. Let's go. Let's double check the work here. But it's fascinating. I mean, it's, I, I'm really it's a really interesting story there. So yeah, sorry, I'd keep going, but that's that's really a cool takeaway. And um, so, you know, kudos to Yuk for you know yeah. <laughs> You check their work and they got it right. So it's like, that's a good, good <laughs> We love to be challenged. And I think though it shows the relevance of data, right? We have that so oftenly with customers who say like, oh yeah, we already know where our hotspots are. And then we say, well, maybe wait for the results because they will steer yeah. you in a different direction. Yeah, exactly. Assumptions, right? We... Yeah. yeah and, and, feelings. and as, as this is a personal interest, a lot of people thought they would really know how exactly it turned out and yeah it, it turns out we had an idea but we didn't know exactly cool yeah and uh was there any any other or, or I, I sort of jumped in during the surprises but uh, were there any others that you wanted to highlight or I, th I think that's it okay so then how does it work as far as providing you know relevant data points yeah, and that, that you can act on or, or that other companies can act on. Um, maybe we'll uh, if, pull this over to, to Marcus, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think from what we heard now, how, how difficult it is to find the relevant information and what uh, where to search it and also kind of the different sources coming from thinking about Excel files, thinking about public information on the web and think about all your supply chain information that you need to collect. I think the the PLM idea to, to have the all the product relevant information consolidated in one place. We often try to talk about it as a single source of truth, but I think as we could have to connect multiple dots, I think it's probably not a single source, but at least it kind of gives you the so a single entry point to find the relevant information. And this is kind of all the parameters that define your product, right? So from the beginning, from design material, manufacturing capabilities, so who is your supplier? I mean, this needs to be defined somewhere. Where is the supplier located? What components is the supplier providing to you and all that information? I think this should be stored somewhere centrally. And PLM is a perfect place for sure as a PLM provider. I, I'm pretty convinced about that, but it's um, like the the idea of having all your product relevant records being uh, available for any downstream processes, right? So you, 
you need to produce it. So yes, that's some you need to send it to the shop floor. You need to maybe analyze it and you need to maybe do some changes. So you need to iterate your product because it maybe ideally you only do one revision, but I think that's a ideal scenario that will never be, be real. So you want to track those changes and want to make sure like um, I've done it now, I've used this component, this material, what is my impact? And then I'm doing a second iteration and then maybe the impact on my product carbon footprint is different, right? So that means this is where I can have a real overview of all the relevant design iterations and make sure that I keep track of all those product performance metrics, um, the asset, the material, all these metadata that I need to feed the downstream processes, for example, analytics with uh, with UK as yesterday. Uh, um, so I think this is kind of why I think a PLM is a very nice uh, area to 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 store this, and specifically because typically uh, PLM systems are very open. So that means uh, you can connect to other systems easily, and this is kind of what we are what we are playing here is like how. It could be a simple export, but it could be also an integration that automate this. And therefore, it's very easy to kind of feed information uh, back and forth into, into different systems. Yeah. And for anyone who's like, you know, more seriously considering this now, thinking about their own um, companies and products, when you're starting such a project, like what level of effort do you need to uh be ready for or have in mind, um, especially considering, you know, having no PLM versus having a PLM in place already? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very clear, it, it depends. Um, as you already said, it depends from where you start. Um, I think in the in the context of uh, ProGlove, where they already had Arena at their PLM in place and they need to en enhance some of their data points and add some more information to it, that's a very very lightweight exercise, I would say, uh, because you can add this information, additional metadata objects, whatever, and then um, kind of use that information and ex extract it and, and move forward. If you kind of come from nothing, uh, then for sure it always depends on where is your data currently stored, or is it just spread across the company and thousands of different Excel files and you need to collect this? before you can move into PLM, then this for sure is a different animal than comparing to already have a very structured approach of working with your data. And But, but then starting implementing a, a PLM solution and just specifically talking about Arena now because we have that idea of, of being uh, very fast when it comes to implementations or Typical implementation time for our customers is about maximum 16 weeks as a uh, kind of a guideline so that we can say, okay, you start from nothing, you have just spreadsheets, and then after 16 weeks, you have your product records, your bill of materials, uh, your change process and everything ready, and then can plug this information into systems uh, that helps you further, like uh, manufacturing execution or analyzing uh, data with with Yook, uh, like in our example. So it really depends on where you start, but uh, with a kind of a cloud native solution that we just need to plug together with another cloud solution like you know, like Yook, then it's pretty straightforward to kind of get those additional benefits after you jump the initial kind of uh, part of it. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and Verena, so 
you go through this whole process, you go through all this work, and then what what kind of results can users expect then from that? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the most important part here is it's, it's not a black box, but an open box on what data did we use, what data did we enrich, and what are the results, obviously. And these results, the basic functionalities that you use it for reporting, so external and internal communication, ensure compliance, but for me, the fascinating part is when it's used to then develop better, more sustainable products, because then you use it during your design process to compare alternatives, to create simulations and understand what kind of changes would have, what kind of impact. And this really helps you to innovate because I think every future-proof product needs to keep this in mind, just purely from a reliability perspective already, um, but and robustness of supply chains, but obviously also from a competitive edge. And to to be specific and maybe try to paint a clear picture, what do you get? So I really, if I products and only have this bill of material, so that outlines all the materials and components and so forth, and I see for each single one of them, for each processing step, I see the carbon footprint associated with it, and I see my hotspots. In addition, I see the accuracy of each of that data point calculation, which helps me understand where are my hotspots in terms of accuracy as well. I see, I can understand the overall accuracy across my product portfolio. And so I have these two hotspots. So I understand my data quality and I understand my carbon hotspots. And then you can use it to have these insights into the decarbonization potentials on a product level, but also on a portfolio level, because sometimes you have a material that you use across different products. Um, so what happens if you replace that? Taking your expected sales volume of the next year, for example, how does it transfer into carbon salt as saved? So I think this really helps to quantify. And then in the next time also, uh, in the next step also, obviously we put a price tag on it. Are we willing to put this measure into place? Are we willing to do this change? Um, because... The other aspect that a company has to consider and product teams have a lot on their plate with quality, function, design, compliance. So it's one more comp- one more dimension um, to add and to be balanced. But if you don't have it in there, you cannot consider it at all. Thanks. Yeah. And jumping back to Tim. So we talked about, you know, your your process and surprises, uh, but we never actually got to results. So what what results did ProGlove see and and how do those make an impact? I think we saw a few different results uh, that make an impact. So first of all, we will have uh, or we will communicate this to the customers now that we have uh, come to a value um, of accuracy that we're satisfied with. Uh, but first of all, we want to trail our whole sales team, our whole customer facing side to make sure everyone understands, actually understands these numbers and doesn't just communicate them. And then, yeah, uh, coming back to what Varina already said, uh, it just gives us a new metric for decisions. So far, we've been uh, relying on yeah, mostly costs, quality, and now we have yeah, a new a new uh, metric, a new value in here, which is the product carbon footprint. So we can use it to yeah, identify hotspots and bring in new changes to the product, uh, reduce uh, carbon, the carbon footprint of our products. And, uh, and then additionally to that, we can also um, use it, for example, on change implementation. Whenever we um, set one part obsolete, bring in a new part, 
there's this decision, do we want to implement it instantly or do we want to let the old part run out and then implement it? And then this gives us once again, another factor that we can bring in, um, which is the cost of product carbon footprint. So yeah, it, I think overall it was just a very nice learning and a good dive into yeah the supply chain of our products. Well, this has been fascinating for me. I, I, I feel like I recently saw something. I don't know where it came from, but it was a recent, recent thing where was, uh, there's two kinds of people in the world, people who love Excel spreadsheets and people who hate Excel, Excel spreadsheets. And uh, I found this fascinating and really, you know, but I, I think I fall into the first category. Um, but you must have, I mean, this is beyond spreadsheets, of course. That's that's the point. Part of the point here is that this is well beyond spreadsheets. This is about um, uh, the mothership of spreadsheets, sort of. Uh, but you, you've obviously innovated a lot. You've you've learned, I'm sure, a lot in the past few years, developing this and improving this. Um, can we just get to close uh, a few words of lessons learned from each of you, and tips or tricks? that you've also learned, picked up along the way. Uh, we can start with with um, ProGlove, you know, with um, Tim and then move around. Sure, sure, I can kick it off. So yeah, I also fall into this first category. I, I do like Excel, but to a certain degree. And as you said, this is not just a single spreadsheet with a few columns. Uh, this is a mass of data. Uh, so one thing that I really liked is that we got some interactive data. We didn't just get a, a big spreadsheet that um, was, yeah, summing everything up. So yeah, that that really, really helped. Also not having to, to manually collect all the data, but instead to use this iterative process to start on a surface and then dig deeper with each new um, iteration that you go through was, was a great way to um, yeah, improve our knowledge and uh, yeah. And then overall, uh, it was just very nice to involve several different people from the company, from all different departments, people from development, from production, people from supply chain, and get everyone's views on the topics, uh, have them challenge it with yeah, their own knowledge and therefore just yeah, be able to to dig deeper and get better results. That's yeah, great. And uh, moving over to Marcus and Arena. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think the, uh, the the core learning is like a being being ready to enhance the data set that you have, right? So this is kind of what what we experienced and we discussed like where do we need to add these data points, right? Is it uh, on which level does this data needs to sit and is it really belonging to PLM? So I think this was a very interesting interesting conversation there. The the fact that if you already have a, a set of data where you can start from makes it for sure easier. And then the possibility to flexibly have being flexible to add that information that you need in order to feed the the analysis, I think it was was very good 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 learning there. I think we have we're still kind of moving forward with that, and we're kind of still thinking about that kind of at what cycle information needs to come back and what is kind of the best way on how to automate even more and who needs to see which information when. So that means we uh, we keep we keep working on that. So there will be some more learnings coming, I think. Uh, but it was already a very good starting point, kind of to see like how important the flexibility is, uh, as well on the kind of the the persons you are working with, but also on the application side. 
Great. Yeah. And uh, wrap it up with Farina and Yuk. <laughs> sure. What I um, love to see when working with ProLab especially is that they, while they had initial doubts about the effort that might require, they were not afraid to get started. And they really, and I hope that was one of the core issues or one of the core topics that came across, you don't need perfect data. If you have high ambitions, you can get there, but you don't need it to get started. And it's better getting started actually yesterday than tomorrow because upcoming regulations and your customer pressure will catch up with you anyhow on this topic. And on a very practical note, one of the learnings for how to make this successful is if you're really embedded on an operational cross-functional team. So get out of the lighthouse, like the sustainability department um, that creates nice reports, but make this something tangible because it helps to motivate your employees as well. If they have the feeling that in their daily job, even though it's not the core responsibility, they can work on this. They have data to use in decision-making. And obviously not every decision will have this at the core because you have costs to consider and so forth, but it's a starting point and it's a path towards innovative, sustainable products and which company doesn't want that. So, yeah, excellent stuff. And I, I mean, I have to be honest, I wasn't hundred percent sure what this discussion would look like because it's very, you know, technical corporate decarbonization kind of, uh, uh, topics, but I've, I really enjoyed it. I found it fascinating. So I really enjoyed, uh, what all of you, uh, shared and, and how you helped inform us on, on these matters. And I, I assume many listeners, uh, feel the same way. So appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good, uh, evening over there in, in, uh, Europe. Uh, thank you for joining us at this time. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Walk, 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 walk,